Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are going to finish off going through the second half of the benchmarking that we started in the last episode. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. Good afternoon. Happy yes. Christmas. Happy New yep. Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations! On the you other made side, it to another year. To the other side of of 2021, 2022. Yeah, and here we are. Here we are. And um, well, we said we said we were going to do the topic of the week, but uh, but uh, last last podcast we only did half the benchmarking, and a lot of people have been talking on the groups, like saying, "No, you only did five out of the ten. So yeah, I think we should finish finish the benchmarking one-on-one because i know a lot of people have been listening to it so we'll, we'll go in, we'll go through those today and i'm then trying we'll, to remember where we got to well we got to number five which was email and then, then was number it six. email yeah it was email we did email yeah and, um, big one so now it, it was a big one a big um, email. so um those following along with the pdf which is going to be available in the show notes again um number six is google adwords and so you know what percentage of revenue should come from google adwords Mm. so just to preface this one it's um like some businesses don't do google adwords it's not a channel that they use like so we've got um you know there's there's a lady selling handbags expensive handbags so her business is predominantly facebook advertising and she does a bit of she does a bit of google ads but it's not a google ads driven business and so I mean, she's she's doing it purely for the brand i presume mopping up some of the yeah she's mopping up there. like like and it's similar to the the hair extensions company that, that you know like they they do a lot of facebook and then they mop up the brand awareness mm. that they built in in google in google so so um, businesses like that they, their goal is to grow the amount of brand searches isn't it yeah, they want, and, they want you to ultimately Google your brand. Yeah, but if they so, went out so, and they had, a, and it was like they said, right, we're going to not do Facebook and we're going to go and do uh, Google Ads and marketing and say that Google Ad re- revenue should be between forty and sixty percent of revenue, they'd be missing the trick because theirs isn't a Google Ads business. So hmm. the first thing you need to understand, f- first of all, is whether or not you are a recruitment business from Google AdWords. So um, like like Brooke Taverner, they're a recruitment business from Google AdWords. Um, GSF Car Parts, they're a recruitment from business from Google AdWords. Um, there's lots of businesses that are, and when you are a recruitment business from Google AdWords and you know that it's a big deal for you, then these benchmarks will make sense. But it won't make sense for somebody who Google AdWords isn't a thing for. So it's kind of horses yeah. for courses, really. I isn't think it? it's. I think it's in a way, you know, it's if it's if you've got to. Can you get in the way of existing traffic? Are the people searching for your products and keywords already? 
Yeah. But but it's also it's like you know the handbag company that's selling handbags for five hundred pounds. You know they can't go and do a Google Ads campaign on handbags. Yeah. Because it's just it's completely irrelevant. It's not going to work. It comes um, down to the the copywriting stuff that we we did on the group. You know the level of awareness. If people aren't aware of your product or like product aware then they're not searching on google adwords are they they're not kind of going for you know expensive handbag you know that, that they they don't they don't i mean some people are but they're, they're going after the brands that they under they understand so you can sell something on google adwords that people are searching for that you've got a good uh, proposition for but you can't um like there was a lady selling um probiotic cleaning uh products and it's a great product and you know it, it, it's the, the the sell of it is that you know you 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 don't use chemicals in your home and you only get rid of the bad bacteria not the good bacteria and stuff like that but you can't sell it on google ads because no one searches for probiotic cleaning or very few people do so it's very difficult to kind of go and use that as your channel because it's a it's a pull based medium in in that like people have to be um be searching for it in order for you to put it there and if you if they are searching for it great go and put your products in front of them but if they're not then it's not going to work is it no no so when the, the benchmark we wrote down for this was was 40 to 60 percent of revenue mm. that's what we said the adwords on average contributes 40 to 60 percent and i think i think that's probably is pretty accurate because you know that is typically what we see but yeah. then, but then, if there are, basically you started off saying, well, there's certain businesses that you're just not an AdWords business, and that's that when they, you know, that will be very low, and any AdWords yeah. they will get will be brand related, typically. Yeah, and I think it's I, I'm 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 kind of reluctant to say this, but like you're either an AdWords business or you're not. It's like almost like you can or you can't. It's it's yeah. it's, it's rare to find a business that's kind of like in the middle where you've kind of got half. You know, if you can recruit an AdWords, it means that Google AdWords has got your customers and if you can go after them and therefore it becomes you know between uh, 40 to 60 percent of your revenue um and so that's kind of that's kind of what we see um and i had a look the other day i now manage on average a spend of about a million dollars a month on google adwords across across all the accounts um and so i've got quite a few big um, accounts spending and those 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 big accounts who recruit heavily on on Google AdWords they're they're between forty and sixty percent mm. of where where we're going. So you know it, it's a it's a it's a serious amount of data that I've got access to which helps me look at this. But then so would you say that would you say that the hardest businesses to scale on AdWords would typically be something like um, a high average order value luxury aspirational fashion type product? Would you agree with that? Well, yes and no. But let's then say you're are... selling. Let's say you're selling T-shirts that's that are two hundred pounds, two hundred dollars. That's hard. You know, it's a partic- yeah, that's yeah. hard because people aren't going to be. Yeah, you're going to do Google shopping on black T-shirt or black luxury T-shirt. It just isn't. It, There's no it, keywords it, for it's that. It's not going to work, yeah. is it? No. But but then the other flip side of it is you know that that really high high end lighting brand who you know there was like ten thousand dollars for a chandelier or something like that yeah you know like people had seen it in a magazine in italy and then they were looking for uk suppliers and in that case yes it would work because people are looking for that brand and you 
you, you know you were putting yourself in the place of that of that search. well also it depends if you're selling other people's products so yeah. that's when it would yeah you know and the google they're going after the brand that makes sense then you would go for google shopping and google paid ads yeah yeah but if you're but trying if... to create the brand on google that's a difficult difficult place. yeah i don't think true. brands are really created on i mean that's not true because we have grown brands purely through google advertising um, yeah but you it has to be a need that that people have i mean you it's very yeah. difficult to rock up and kind of go and say right i'm going to do these you know like it's it's like like take one of the the the, the shoe wear brands who's like very in in vogue at the moment and you know it's like kind of like trainer like fashionable trainers like if he just launched those trainers on google adwords would have got nothing but because he launched yeah. them on social media instagram and stuff like that and built the right kind of imagery and following and all that kind of stuff for it that worked and it went like gangbusters or still does um but it's it, it, it it's a I, different medium i mean thinking you know i mean this is slightly off topic now but but generally it was thinking in, in google google's one of the only places in e-commerce that the that there's intent to buy compared to social where yeah. you know because in Google, they search for stuff. So if they search for stuff, they want it. So if they're searching for a brand, you know, Black Knight trainers, they want Black Knight trainers. But if yeah. they're going on to Instagram and they're looking around for, you know, inf you know, for inspiration, you know, for generally, or they stumble across things, they're, they're, on, they're on social platforms for a different reason. Yeah. And so that's, that, that's why... But the reason why the social works, the reason why social works and it wait, wait, didn't work maybe five, six years ago, um, was because if you think about like how direct mail used to work with Abacus in the UK, now Abacus is, was the big um, house of direct mail. Data mailing, basically. Data mailing. And they knew which data people were buying which products. So you could go to Abacus and you could say, I'm selling golf stuff. Who's bought, something, who's bought some golf stuff within the past 30 days? And they would be your hot list. They would be the people you, the, you would want to send stuff to. Um, yeah. And so prior, like six years ago, Facebook and those guys, they didn't have that data because they didn't have the pixel on everybody's sites. Once they got the pixel on everybody's sites, yeah. they started knowing exactly who was buying what. So they were like, oh, this person's buying hair extensions or this person buys something similar to hair extensions. They've just bought it. They're obviously got a need for it. I can put those adverts in the first in place. The reason that Facebook's been dealt such a blow is because a lot of that data has been redacted from them and stop them from seeing it on, on the iPhone. So they've gone back to being how they were kind of six years ago because they don't mm. know who's buying what. They're, they're working on it and they still got some data. So it's nowhere near as bad as it was. And we are still, you know, seeing a lot of accounts doing really well with Facebook, but that's really what's happened. It's like Abacus, the data suddenly kind of going, oh, well, can I sell your list? But I, I can't tell you who's bought as much, yeah. you know, so that's, that's what's happened. So therefore, a lot of people have kind of started to try and move over to Google Shopping and Google if they haven't used it. And we've, you know, we've done that with. Now that was a big. Um, there's a there's a very big um, interior decoration home decor company that's moved across. Now spending about hundred thousand, hundred thousand pounds a month, where they weren't, you know, in, you know, last year, mid last year, they weren't even using Google AdWords at all, and they're making it work. So you can do it. Um, but it's just different it's yeah. you know you've got to you've got to have the right the right thinking and and, and 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 if it works it works if it doesn't work you know it's very difficult to to make it work if if the market's not there so 
I mean, do you think we've covered AdWords? Is that anything else you want to ask around? Well, AdWords yeah, I mean, it, I, I, well, I think generally, yeah, if, you know, you know, we've said here that 40 to 60% of the revenue, I say if you're an AdWords business, you I think you like to say you're either an AdWords business or you're not. So if you are an AdWords business, we would typically see 40 to 60% of the revenue, mm. you know, wouldn't we? And the rest of it would come through the other channels, you know, email, SEO, direct, yeah. social, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like anything, it's like drawing the sand for you, working out what the percentage of revenue is, and then and then growing it, and um and and making sure you're optimized and seeing where you are. But that you know, people ask us for benchmarks, we're giving them a benchmark, so that's what we've got. Yeah. SEO yeah. number seven, SEO. Um, yeah. So we used got... to be the holy grail of e-commerce when we first started twenty odd years ago. It was like. Yeah get us to the number one well that's what i mean SEO when i launched and, my first e-commerce business the body mind and soul that's all i would thought i was going to do i thought it was just seo just getting you to number one and then yeah i mean i i mean i remember you know back in the day getting some really big brands to number one i remember one one particular one big homeware company and um got them to number one uh for for home gifts or something yeah. and um you know, it took two years to get there. And we're like, oh my God, we've made it. We've got to number one. Didn't bloody sell anything. Yeah. Didn't work. You know, no. the traffic came through and the bounce was like 90%. No one bought anything. It's like, it didn't work. So, and you know, we could have tested that with, uh, with a Google ad, you know, in about, uh, you know, an hour, we would have realized, oh, well, there we are. Number one. Yeah, but it didn't work. But it's sometimes a business owner gets a bee in his bonnet about wanting to be, on that term and they no matter what you say they go no no i want to be there yeah i want to be number one for home gifts yeah because there's you know and it i think it's what just... we're saying is that you're not magically going to get um in fact i see this a lot you you're not magically going to get a sale unless you're in an incredibly specific niche and and that, that did happen i had a conversation with a, a, a consultancy client last week and they're selling something very very niche in the fishing market and natural SEO does work for them because it, mm. it's something, it's so niche. It's like they can dominate SEO really do, effectively, but so that's really right. rare. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really rare well, to be it, able to do that. It is, it is and it isn't. Like, 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 let's, let's give us examples of where SEO is big and, yeah. and, and when it would work. So the, my rule of thumb is, is that SEO is big where there is a community of people who are almost like hobbyists who are really into what you're selling. So um, give an example, fishing. Fishing is one. People are There's a community yeah. of fishermen who really want to talk and, and search about fishing. And it's the thing they do to go and de-stress uh, you know, and, and relax. So another one is gardening. There's loads of searches about gardening. Mm. It's a massive SEO place. You can get loads of business from. People do lots of research on, on it and do out. The other ones, another one's baking, cooking, recipes, mm. those kind of things. Tons of SEO traffic for it, and it works. And what you really see well. when you look at these, the analytics, and and the competitors of these, you see that the top ten landing pages, you know, half of them might well be the blog pages. Yeah. And it's because there's a lot of traffic that's coming in. And, you know, imagine if, you know, you're cooking, you're trying to find a recipe or you're you know, trying to find how to put, cook the perfect roast potatoes, mm. you know, or you're trying to find out how the, how the hydrangeas bush. Why is my hydrangea bush dying? Or how should I prune my roses? Or when should I, when should I cut my wisteria back? There's so much natural organic because it's a very emotive subject. 
And so you, 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 the, the you thing is, that. it's very easy to get traffic for the sake of traffic with SEO. So like, you know, you were talking about how to approve my hydrangeas. And let's say you're, you're selling garden equipment. Just because you got that blog doesn't mean you're going to mm. get any sales from it. Because like, for example, Brooke Tavern, for example, they, I think they're number one for how to repair a suit. That doesn't do them any business. No. Like, like. But when you see this a lot, I mean, what you'll see is a lot of traffic coming through. Yes, it will probably be in your top 10 yeah. landing pages, but the bounce rate will be, you know, 85, 90%. Mm. You know, and that's, that's, that's the, you know, that's the reality. So it's a bit like, um, you know, the saying, you know, if you do get to number one, well, all traffic is not equal, is it? No. You know, so the, the goal for it then is to actually try to, do something with that natural organic traffic that's coming mm. through to these blog pages. You, so you, you're trying to a obviously you want them to go and buy something, but you often find that sometimes you can you can grow your your newsletter database. Yeah, you by using that. Yeah, if you and know like if you know you're, you've got gardeners coming to the site and you know they're really interested in gardening, you know having competitions on the blog or um, you know uh, uh, mag you know lead magnets those kind of things can work can work yeah. really well and that that that's kind of what you can do because a lot of those people aren't necessarily in the in the mood to buy another another big one's hydroponics like hydroponics has gone massive at the moment and so it does all sorts of people looking at videos on hydroponics and stuff i mean it will build a brand i mean if you keep coming up in searches you can do it i mean the, the, but there's another case of it like there's a guy in in canada and he's he's like the world's he's the world guy for uh cast iron pans but he only sells in canada and he's got worldwide traffic so what does he do what does he do with that and obviously he can maybe do a bit with affiliates but it's it's mm. you know like i think you've got to be very careful with seo that you don't get well, obsessed with the numbers and and i think i think there was you know i think probably i don't think we see this anymore but go back maybe five or six years ago we used to find e-commerce businesses that had, would come to us and say, "Ah, oh, we've got great SEO. You know, we don't need to do any paid advertising. We don't need to do any anything else. You know, we don't need to do any email. We, you know, we, we just got we just we've got SEO, and that's where mm -hmm. we're getting our customers from. And the problem with that is a lot of the niche businesses. So, so people selling like rugs or lighting or um, you know curtains or things." You know, when the supermarkets and the big high street chains came online, they just pushed all these little niche sites out of the window. They just mm. pushed them all down. Screwfix came along, Halfords, B&Q, uh, Wix, you know, Argos, Homebase. They absolutely dominated. They've just thrown all these natural SEO sites out of the, out of the way. So they pushed them down the rankings. So they'll still be there, but they'll be like position 12, position 10 rather than but not, but two. also, not only they've been pushed down by the big guys, but also there's a lot more paid real estate yeah, at the top. Absolutely. You know, it used to be maybe three ads. Now there's four ads, and then there's also Google Shopping ads, and then there might be, you know, like a, 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 a the top search ad might be like expanded, and you know, so you can get the answer. Yeah, each like each year, there's another row of paid advertising, so mm. that's happening. And also, you you know, you don't know when one of the big boys is going to get in your space. Yeah, you know, and they're going to go. Do you know what? I mean, if Screwfix, for example, started to go and sell, you know, something in a bigger way that they're not selling now, they just dominate it. Mm. You know, you're going to be nowhere. So, you, so what we're saying is, if we see a business that is overly exposed to organic SEO, it's a red flag and it's a risk. 
Yeah. And what we're saying is you cannot rely upon that. You know, SEO really has to be like a cherry on top. You mm. know, you can't, you, you, it's, if you're solely relying upon that, you're in a dangerous position because it can get taken away at any time. You're also and playing you, the game. It's your only method. You're, you're playing a game against the, the, the corporates. You're paying, playing against Google and you're paying against the people who want the paid advertising. If you've got built up a paid advertising business, the most likely it's going to stay because you're doing, you're playing the game and it wants to be, but you're paying to play. If you're getting free traffic, you have no right to that traffic. A good example is, I don't know if you meant, remember the guy I met here who was building affiliate sites, was you know building them over about a year and then selling for like $600,000 mm. and then kept repeating the stuff. I spoke to him the other day and it's gone. It's Google's changed the algorithm. Um, yeah. Now not pushing like best of products at the top. And, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to have to go and get a job. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it's like SEO is great. I mean, you should not do SEO. It's it's a cherry on the it's a cherry on the top. It's icing on the cake. Um, you should be having good it's content. Be, you should be stuff and it's free traffic yeah. you can go and pick up. But it's not like my go to market. I don't want to launch a business and say, well, this business is going to be SEO and that's how I'm going to get my e-commerce sales. Thank you you're very just, much. You're not protected. No. Yeah, and no. it's not it's not a mathematical way to grow your business either. No. You know, it's not a scalable mathematical approach it's you know christ will take it if it's there and here's the thing scale here's the thing on it i've been doing this and i was you know i ran an seo agency for probably the first 10 years um and in the 10 years after that kind of like looked at you know work with all the different people doing seo agencies i mean let me ask you this question have you ever found an seo agency that's done something good that's worth worth the the money (laughs) Have you? Have you ever? Um, well, I tell you, I okay. Well, I'll answer that. No, I don't think so. But but I think the reason is because I'm not saying we're not saying that any SEO agency isn't doing great things. No, I'm sure there are. I think, I think the ones that are doing, I think the ones that are, are combining um, online PR and social PR with SEO, I think, are, yeah. are, you know, are doing some interesting things. But I've, I, I don't think we've seen a many businesses or, or can you think of any businesses in the last 20 years that we've seen scale to significant volumes um over a long period of time profitably through seo alone well there is that there is those garden companies that did a lot of gardening stuff um and i think they have scaled very nicely with it well um, the ones that send um, uh, three million brochures Oh, a year. Are they? Are they I didn't know they were well. Yeah, but like, yeah. I don't know whether that. Yeah, it's probably. I don't. I don't think we know of anybody where it's their. It's their go-to strategy. Um, maybe water features to go. I mean, are they still just doing. No, well? no. I mean, I no, I wouldn't. No. So, I think. Yeah. Okay. The small niche. The small niche ones. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, you know, I think well when, people... when we've seen SEO done well, it's been done in-house where they've got really good in, in-house content people who have really understood it. And then they've they've put, bought some really good online PR positions and, and, and things like that and worked really well. I've rarely seen it work with an agency. Uh, and I'm, I'm yet, I mean, I'm happy to be convinced otherwise, but it's, um, I've just seen a lot of, uh, money go towards SEO agencies without any real benefit. 
I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, yeah. but I always it have... is a terrible thing to say. But it's but it's it's what we would probably say privately. Yeah, um, and... <laughs> and it's a separate separate thing to do. And obviously, we forget people to listen to this. It's just <laughs> you and I talking, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think when people ask me about SEO, I try and give them an answer that says, "Look, you know, you, it's it's about good content. It's about getting some good P- online PR. It's about um, increasing your stats so that you you have a less bounce, you know, less bounce rates and all that kind of stuff. And you and and you go after keywords and you build a lot of organic traffic from you know, like you it, SEO. I probably you know. Is is you know, YouTube avatar, YouTube channels, and things like that? Similar, similar kind of things. Um, well, at the top of the funnel discovery stuff, isn't there? That's mm, really interesting. Yeah, you know where people are discovering new brands, and that's generally on on YouTube and places like that. I think that I think the problem with SEO is that it's it's like um, you you can't really control it or see the success of it. Yeah, and you can. You can see, and it can take years. You to think, oh my God, we're going to really scale this business when we get to number one, two, three, or four for mm. these key terms. It's going to be amazing, and you get there, and it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, because people just don't buy it anyway. And you can, I I find it very um, untangible, and uh, you know, with with you know the mathematical approach of scaling through paid advertising is brilliant because it's all about return on ad spend and you influence conversion rate and average order value and life and customer value which allows you to spend more to get a better return on ad spend and it's it's like it's it's methodical and it's scalable and you can see it mm. and you can understand how you're going to change the business over the next three years to hit your 10 20 30 million i think it's also SEO, i think it's also changed from like you know 10 years ago people found information through blogs it was all it was all writing people didn't have the bandwidth to download image uh, uh, videos and the bandwidth to download podcasts and listen to things and so a lot of the discovery product discovery has moved away from the written content word towards towards other media yeah and so therefore yeah. it's weakened seo and it's like there's been a few nails in the coffin and one of them is that more advertising uh, architecture at the space at the top and another one is that is the media and stuff like that so it's a different strategy i think you it, when they say seo you've got to kind of put it down what we're really talking about here is like your organic strategy. How are you going to get free organic traffic? Mm. And that can be your YouTube yeah, that, that, videos. That is very, um, that's really true. Your Instagram. Yeah, we've seen a, we've we've seen some really exciting uh, businesses in in the, in Australia and Canada launching cookware mm. in a in a way that is just the UK brands have just gone. Oh my God, we are we are asleep. Mm. You know these businesses have gone from zero to ten million in two years. Yeah, and we didn't even notice them and christ this is unbelievable. and they've done it by tapping into the places like youtube and places like kickstarter and TikTok and things mm. like this because they're that that's where people are discovering the new brands they're not going into the store anymore and picking up the pots and pans no you know they're not there you know they're, they're online they're in they're on google and they're on sorry they're on youtube and places like yeah. that yeah so you're right that's a great definition yeah like that anyway so i think let's put organic traffic down average between 20 and 30 percent of revenue should be coming from organic traffic usually good is like 30 to 40 percent and i think anything over 40 percent is i put down as not great because i i feel that's you know you're you know if you've got like more 50 60 percent of revenue coming from organic that's very worrying because like what happens if it just gets turned off um i mean that would that's yeah it's very unusual Mm. yeah 
Okay, so there's yeah. number eight is direct. So direct is, 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 is as reported by Google Analytics, and it's people who type in your domain name and come to your website and buy something uh, like that. Mm. Like that. Now, um, so they're going www. Yeah, yeah. The trouble is with direct um, is that in Google Analytics. Facebook advertising doesn't tend to be picked up that well. So if you've got a big Facebook campaign, some of it will come be coming through social, some of it will be coming through referrals, some of it will be coming through direct. It's just random. Um, and also any big marketing channel you have will drive some direct because people will yeah. find you and then go, oh, what was that company I was six? Oh, it was the Hammersley Brothers. I'll go and, I'll yeah. go and type that in. And, and have so a that's the, I think that's probably the... Yeah. I think that's probably the the interesting thing about direct. So, you know, no, you know, no one is magically going to go direct to your website without some reason, you know, or they've heard you or seen you before, uh, or something driven them to do it. And I mean, the main source of direct traditionally was always offline, you yeah. know, direct mail. Right. That's when yeah. we saw direct was like, you know, twenty five, thirty percent of the total traffic mm. channel was coming through direct and that's because they were doing brochure drops yeah and we saw lots and lots of that but but we also see a lot of direct for businesses that are not doing brochure or anything on, offline and and it's because of the knock-on effect where they're seeing something on instagram or social or even in google google shopping or google ads and it's then prompting them later on to go and go direct. Yeah. So they're not clicking directly on that. And we see that loads of time. We can prove this because we've launched our own e-commerce businesses for fun and because we have loads of time <laughs> and where we've done no offline advertising whatsoever yet. What, there's, a, there's a direct correlation between paid advertising and, di and direct yeah. URL goes yeah. straight to the URL. So we basically direct, we usually see between 10 and 20% of revenue come from direct. That's kind of what we, we tend to see. Um, if you've got yeah. less than that, then it, to, to be honest, like there's, there's some of the directors, like either you've not got people who think of you as the job to be done for that thing. Say if you sit at home decor, you haven't become the, the, the place that they go to. They only see you as that one-off purchase and they're not coming back. You know, if you start thinking like Laird Lounge, for example, you go, oh, Laird Lounge, I'm going to go back and buy something from there because they're my go-to mm. for this. Or, you know, Kitchenware or Kumru Khan and those kind of things. So essentially what uh, it's going to be affected by quite a few a few, few things. It's like, also whether, whether you're yeah. sales well, cycle. Lifetime customer value. Yeah. Yeah, lifetime customer value and... Um... Yeah, general maturity of the business. I mean, you know, you, it's great. You know, if you're if you're a slightly more mature e-commerce business where you've been going for you know for you know five ten years and you've got a, a reasonable life and customer value, you, you, you'd expect direct typing to be you know a pretty important channel. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a startup, obviously, no one's going to magically come to your website. Uh, so number nine, time to purchase. Um, so what average percentage yeah. of people buy in their first day? Um, optimum yeah. seems to be between 30 and 40 percent and then um, yeah like there's there's big differences here that the, the biggest difference I've ever seen is like Sarah Harans who sells the handbags she knows that her sale takes at least 30 days before people are convinced to buy it so she has got this big kicker on the end which is really large like most people's kicker 
So if you go to Google Analytics and you see those, that chart where you go, okay, 40% of people buying on their first day, maybe 30% on the day after, and then you know, it kind of drops off really quickly. Now, most people have this kind of like run at the end. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like 12 days plus or 12 weeks plus. Yeah. And it's like a kicker of usually about 8%. So like anything lower than that means that um, you've either got a product that's bought right there and then, like a car battery, or you're not doing very well with your behavioral emails to bring people back to convince them. Yeah, to come you're back. not you're not getting them back. Yeah, yeah. But in 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 so I mean, the, sorry, go on. I was you just saying, Sarah Hans, Haran's case is even bigger. It's like something like 30, 40 percent of people who buy after that amount of time because the sales cycle so long that people need to be convinced that they're going to buy the yeah. product. Um, but most of you I've, will be sitting in the, in the, with, the, with the uptick of about eight percent at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, and the the, the the average time to buy is actually something that is quite important in the overall strategy of your of your e-commerce marketing. Yeah, um, and it's it's one of the things that we talk about where you know there's this sort of notion that e-commerce is one size fits all. Well, if it works on this website, it'll work on this website. Mm. And and the time to buy is sometimes the significant factor about why it does work on one website and why if you did the same strategy on your website, it might actually decrease conversion rate. And and the time to buy. So, you know, the most extreme example was well, the example we always used to give. The famous one was was the company who was selling car batteries online. Mm. You know, the time to buy is literally 12 hours. If you don't get the sale within 12 hours. You know they've solved the problem they've gone elsewhere mm. so there's no point sending them an email about car batteries you know seven days later because they've bloody solved it they solved the problem yeah yeah and so the whole experience and all of the marketing has to be tailored to getting that sale within that 12-hour period so you really gotta um get them to buy now yeah and not give them any reason to get anywhere else and it's all about you know countdown, dispatch time, and guaranteed delivery tomorrow. It's you know very much now, 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 and because because obviously that's the you know unique. But you know if you're selling a a wedding dress, which is actually probably the best example on the other side, it, it's it's a considered purchase. It's going to take a long time. The buying window is massive. The time to buy is much much longer. Mm. And so you're not going to get this. So there's no point doing countdown dispatch time and saying guaranteed delivery before tomorrow, you know, mm. unless there's a massive shotgun wedding. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, rare. Yeah. So you, you, in that scenario, then you've got to engage with them. You've got to start a conversation with them. You've got to try to get their email address to be able to open up, open up and keep them in the mind so that when they are ready to buy, they know you, you've warmed them up, you've sold your brand story. Yeah. And it's a completely different strategy. So the time to buy is really quite important. Yeah. So the higher the it's average order value and the longer the sales cycle, the higher those two are, the more important it is to capture the email address. Because yeah. otherwise you're gonna lose you're gonna lose sales. Because you if the higher the average order value, the more important it is to be able to start a conversation with the prospect. Yeah. And therefore you've got to be able to do that and do it in the right way. Yeah. I mean that that's the other the other extreme example is the is the the art gallery company that that we were working with mm. where they're selling a you know a unique piece of art for you know five thousand pounds and you know and the and the website was like you know 
throw the equivalent of throwing the art brochure at them as they walked in the shop. Mm. Like, do you want it? Get it. Buy it now. Or get out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a, it's a, you have to build up a rapport. You have to start a conversation with them and it, you have to get to know them. And it takes a long time. It might take three, four, five weeks of, of them coming in and out of the shop, having, you know, the art gallery having a look. Yeah. It's a completely different sale. So that time to buy is quite good. But yeah, on the flip side, if you, if you are not seeing that kicker up, you know, that 8% at the end, um, then you, you like you say, you're just, you're something missing in your, and you're either you're not going to the email address they're just not coming back basically yeah yeah and they should be yeah so that's just it's just yeah. it's just something to have a look at um number 10 is the bounce rate for category pages um so we've we talk about this quite a lot on, on the podcast and it's come up quite yeah. a few so there's quite a few different podcasts about category pages and and, and the next one product pages so a bounce rate for category pages is less than 30 percent it's good average 30 to 40 percent poor is over 40 percent um, now, if you go into your Google Analytics and you've got a bounce rate of like one of zero or 0.5 or one, it's wrong. I see it quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And some yeah. will go, oh, my bounce rate's fine. It's a zero. And he's like, no, that's because you've got something interaction. So like the common errors are you've got two lots of Google Analytics code on the website or you've got an event triggering that's, that's, that's not bouncing. So if you see anything yeah. like that, it's wrong. Get it fixed so you can actually see. You yeah. can, otherwise you can't see the data for the trees um you're right it, ha- it happens quite a lot doesn't yeah it? yeah at least what like maybe once a week yeah. we'll get something it's like yeah that's it's wrong like, no. uh, yeah one percent like, bounce rate on the 7th of july your bounce rate went from on out 40 percent which is about average to two percent overnight that's a mistake there's something wrong with that yeah and you don't get any more sales but you need to look at it you need to look at it on by landing pages so you go into google analytics look at landing pages yeah and then look at the bounce rate and you go down to the category ones and obviously yeah and your category, categories tend to be quite a naturally low bounce bouncing page mm. you know so if it is over 40 percent you think well what's happening here you know it means they're not finding the something to click on. Ca- like, yeah well it's, exactly. a, it's a very clickable page, nature isn't it? page yeah. yeah nature of a category page is to get them off the category page and onto the onto the product yeah yeah um, and f- and letting them flat flow around into subcategories and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a nutshell. But you know, the best thing you can do, if you find that the category pages are bouncing at over forty percent, is go to the category page yourself and go. Well, if I was this customer looking for these things, what would I see? And you know, and, and you know, the order of products on the category is really important. Mm. How restricted the categories are is really important. If they're too narrow too broad you know i mean the, lo- the, we, the examples we've talked about in the categories is the, the dress company that you know the, the women they were selling black dresses and how we'd force them to um you know to if they wanted a, a black dress they had to choose the variant of black so they had to choose a mini dress mm. a maxi dress a party dress a swing dress you just want to see all the goddamn black dresses yeah all in one place don't care which type yeah. it was make sure you're, and, you're you're basically displaying the products how people want to shop don't make the silly mistakes. I mean, I, I, what it's crazy. Sometimes I'm doing these big strategic projects and I'll go on the website and I, the top products are, are out of stock. And it's like, well, surely you want me to tell you something more obvious than that, less obvious than that. But mm-hmm. it is, it's it, people, you don't look at your category pages for some reason. And we don't, yeah. we, don't we don't look at the obvious stuff, but they, by always looking at the, I mean, what we send, we create those weekly emails, don't we? Which is the highest bounced 
category yeah. highest traffic highest bounce category pages for the for the first 30 days we send them every monday and we have a look at those and we go oh these are the these are the category pages I need to work on this week so simple yeah otherwise you don't see them you don't see them you know? no so no um yeah product pages um good yeah. bounce rate for product pages less than 45 percent average 45 to 55 percent poor is over 55 percent um it's going to be depending on on your reliance on google google shopping so google shopping could put a lot of pressure on the product pages but they still kind of stay similar you, you'll find you know on google shopping you might have a product that's getting loads of traffic that's got a bounce rate of 65 percent and a very high traffic but that, that's a page to go and look at isn't it that's you know understanding mm. what images you want people to, to land on and what what's right and what's pretty well you've got to go and you've got to go and do the product page checklist the yeah. basket checklist yeah. stuff you know don't make the product page at the dead end page you know you know so all you know all the basic things you've, we've put in the book and we talked about that loads of times yeah yeah you know but the reason why the bounce rate is a significant kpi is because the bounce rate directly leads to the add to basket percentage so if you get the bounce rate down there's only one thing they can ultimately do on an e-commerce site it's add to basket so if you increase the add to basket percentage you're going to increase the conversion rate and obviously they're going to make more money you make more revenue and so that's it really yeah although actually i mean the only caveat to that would say is that by getting more people into the basket it puts more pressure on the basket yeah which then can find that they leave they stop and that they stop there they use the basket as a dumping ground but generally speaking you know, you lower the bounce rate on the product page, increases the add basket. Yeah. Percentage. Yeah. Well, it's all it's always it, 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 with digital marketing, any digital marketing, e-commerce, anything else. If you you always start from the left, and you always want to move more people along the funnel because you have more chance yeah. of converting them later on. So yes, like it, reducing the bounce rate will put more pressure on the add to basket button, but then increasing the add to basket button increase will put more pressure on the basket page, and then the basket page will put more pressure on the checkout, yeah. and that's and you kind of go through it like that, and that's how I've optimized funnels. That was very similar to how I first started selling the book. When I first started selling the book, it was dreadful. You know, then I kind of went to, my, I first started looking at my ad, looking at the, the click-through rate on my ad. I was like, well, have I got a decent click-through rate? What kind of am I paying per per impression? Is that is that reasonable? I, I iterated that. Then I, then, then I was getting landing page visits and I was like, okay, well, they're not scrolling down far enough. And what can I do about that? How do I increase the engagement of the page? And how do I get more people to, you know, um, go through to the, the checkout page? And, you know, that was all done iteratively up to the point where I had a funnel that, that, that pay for itself mm. well so because well, if you don't break it down into those left to right steps you end up looking at the whole thing and you're, you're all over the place yeah it's too difficult it's too difficult you know it starts i think i think yeah and the product because you know, the, the product page's bounce rate is a massive stat to look at because you know the, the main advertising sources now have meant that the product page is the landing page yeah yeah you know as a percentage of overall traffic landing on the site you know they can really only land on either home page the category the product pages or a blog type page yeah and we find that the overwhelming majority we should actually do a kpi on the on the amount of of the percentage of people landing on product because we find that very well whenever we're doing a strat mm. growth report for somebody we always like to go well what's the percentage of traffic landing on the home page what's the percentage of traffic landing on the category and product yeah, yeah. gives us an idea of where the main focus are but generally speaking I think when we do point this out to 
people and they say, look, your product pages are bouncing really high. And, you know, let's have a look at the top, you know, 25. And they go down the list and go, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's out of stock. Yeah, oh, that one's out of stock. And I said, well, okay, it might be out of stock, but then you could do something about that. Mm. You know, we can actually use that to say, well, these are the alternatives that are in stock. Yeah. Well, these are the categories or these are the, you know, so rather than just being a dead end, yeah, you actually think, oh my God, ninety-five percent of people have bounced on that, and that's represented the you know the top six percent of all landing pages. That's huge. Yeah, let's do something about it. Yeah, and you you, know, you can always put a better it. offer on there. You can. It's just like it's like optimizing the right places, isn't it? And it's like knowing where to focus. Yeah, I think probably the 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 product page bounce rate is one of the main, often one of the main things that we we you work yeah. on first. Um, massive one because it increases the advertising. The last three on the sheet are the mobile, tablet, and desktop. So probably we should talk about these yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah. Mobile. Yeah. Mobile's changed a lot over over the time. In that it grew very rapidly up to about three years ago. It was massive. You know, as people got mobile phones and got internet on their phones, it grew grew really, really rapidly for a long, long time. That growth has slowed now. We're not seeing as much mobile growth. So, you know, what, what percentage you got in desktop and mobile, it's, 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 it's still growing, we, but it's not and we're talking, we're talking about percentage of traffic. Yes, yes. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. But what also has yeah. happened is when we first did this benchmarking, the mobile conversion rate was way, way lower than the uh, desktop conversion rate, and it still is, but not not to the yeah. same degree. So people mm. have got a lot more comfortable yeah. buying on their mobiles. So that so so the, the 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 mobile uptake has has almost flatlined now. Mm. So everyone who has has got a mobile has got a mobile now, and that, so you know there's not that huge growth, but the conversion rate, the confidence people have using the mobile has increased yeah. a lot. Yeah. And that, so the the percentage of revenue coming from mobile has increased. Yeah. I mean, it it was, and and often now we see, it's not. It, I think probably three years ago it was quite unusual, very unusual to see an e-commerce business that had greater revenue from mobile over desktop. Yeah, uh, I mean, ta- ta- just to, just to say, tablets basically fall off a cliff. Mm. You know, tablet used to be, you know a really growing channel tablet now i mean it's it seems to be like you know less than 10 on a, less than 10 percent of revenue yeah and, it used to be a real you know, big really quite like, insignificant especially thing. Certain it demographic yeah. tablets just like, gone um i don't think it's because phones have got so much yeah better. i and think people have, bigger. have kind of gone oh i'll just go on my phone i won't go and grab the ipad yeah as, as they used to yeah um but they still see like yeah. so when we started as, as i was going to say still, we still see like some businesses who don't sell on mobile. Like I was looking at a mattress business the other day that you're going to be doing the meeting with shortly. Um, like people just don't have the confidence to buy such an important purchase on a mobile. They're like, you know, like this is a big purchase. If I get this wrong, you know, so that like it can really mm. affect the conversion rate. But whereas. So what are we seeing? So percentage traffic, you know, we're seeing, I mean, obviously it changed. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I'll give you some re- examples of how it changed. But what, what, what we're seeing, sort of, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, sixty percent mobile. Yeah. 
you know, something like that generally, or or fit or fifty percent mobile, fifty percent desktop. Sometimes eighty percent mobile. Sometimes yeah. it's really skewed towards mobile, especially if the company's mm. advertising a lot on Facebook. Facebook will tend to give you a a, a dramatically more amount of mobile traffic than yeah. desktop. Google less so. So it might be sixty-five, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But then the conversion rate tends to be, the conversion rate tends to be stronger with desktop yeah, yeah it usually is i mean that is still yeah. the case yeah that is still the case we tend to find that that if a desktop is converting at four percent mobile is converting at two percent yeah or and three it's still it's, around it's that not, seems to be not right. always half, yeah it's going up it is yeah. yeah i think maybe two years two or three years ago when we started doing talking about this it was half yeah. and half so we would say that if mobile converts at two percent desktop would convert at four percent i.e it would be double mm. Whereas now it's catching up. It depends on the, the, it depends the, on the level of anxiety yeah. around buying the product. If you're selling some clothes, stuff, there's yeah. less anxiety about it. If so they can buy it on the if, mobile. But if, if they're you, buying like a mattress where it's $2,000, more anxiety. And it depends know. on your demographic. Yeah. I, I think if you're, if you're selling to um, young women, you know, teenage girls or teenage boys for that matter, it will be a lot of it is going to be uh, mobile yeah. like nearly all of the co- conversions will be mobile yeah and um and then and you know if we've got some clients selling baby well, they're, 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 so, products, they're so computer savvy you know that's so computer savvy my son said to me the other day my son's 14 he said to me like we were talking about somebody and it's like God, how could she how could they not she or who was it? someone how can they be so successful and yet so useless at something and he said to me that's how i think about you <laughs> <laughs> it's like how could you be so so successful at your know, like uh e-commerce and digital marketing yet be so useless at knowing how a computer works and like i consider myself to know how a computer works quite well but compared to him who's like been grown up with it intuitively um i i appear to him to be a complete idiot which is, yeah which, is, which made me laugh you're just not you're not good enough at minecraft no but there were it, it but he's like i don't know if it's just him but like he's particularly like if, if if something happens to the computer, he'll go be into the drivers and he'll sort it out and redo this stuff. And he just kind of knows it. It just, I don't know. It just kind of is intuitive for him. Whereas for me, mm. I'm much more likely to give it to someone to sort out for me. I just can't be bothered. But yeah, Minecraft. He's now got 10,000 subscribers on his Minecraft channel. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what's anyway, that going to do for you? Interesting. Is going to give you some money? I don't know. We'll have to see. You sell e-commerce. Yeah. If only he knew a guru. Yeah. I keep trying to get him to do a print-on-demand site, but he's like, no, he's going to make his millions from Minecraft, he says. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, So anyway, mobile. Um, Yes, I think think generally the general rule used to be that if your desktop's converting at 4%, mobile would be 2. I, it's half. But that seems to be changing a little bit. Um, but I, I have seen, I, I think probably maybe you know, three years ago, I would see maybe one or two businesses a year that would have their mobile would be converting higher than their desktop. Yeah. And now I'm seeing maybe 10 a yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So it's still unusual. It still tends to be desktop yeah. converts higher. And it might be the same people, mm. you know, that start the journey on the mobile. And I think this is often the case. They start the journey on the mobile and then they complete it on the desktop. And that's, 
you know, I, I probably what, will. What I'll tend to do if you know, I see continue, a, but how long I'll go gap, on for? I'll tend to look at well, what products that tend to be bought on the mobile over the the desktop. You know, like if there's bigger products that not bought, they're not bought on mobile and desktop, should we be advertising those in Google Shopping? Do we want to split the campaigns? Is there is there a difference between you know what people are willing to buy on mobile and not? Can we optimize them or yeah. do we keep them the same? You know, like there's there's you you dive into the data to work out the differences between the two and how the customers want to react and therefore you know whether or not you need to split your channels. And I think also. Yeah, and I think also if you see you've got loads of traffic on your mobile, like you might have 70% traffic on mobile and you know, 25% on desktop and 5% on, on your tablet, you go, well, but the conversion rate of desktop might be 5%, conversion rate of mobile might be 2, 2.5%. And then, therefore you go, well, well, let's get the email address. Yeah. Let's get the email address from the mobile to use it as the mechanism to bridge the fact that it, they're, they're not buying on the mobile, they're researching it. And it might be that the first time customers are doing this, the first time customers are looking on the mobile, but then buying on yeah. the desktop because they're, you know, they're going to want to think about it. But then, set, but then existing customers may well just have the confidence to go and buy on the mobile. Yeah. You know, or it might be the other way around. And, you know, but generally, if you do see that happening, you will, well, let's, let's help them do that. Yeah. Let's say let them let them save the baskets. Let, let them email the basket to themselves. Let's let them email the the basket to them them the, the friends. Let's let them create a wish list. Yeah. Let's create you know let's let, let's give them a welcome offer. To get Especially the email, if your to your purchases, them. you know, it's been done by a team, like a husband and wife team, or you know something it's like they go. Well, I know that the, our kitchen table a kitchen table is always a group effort. So you know we need to make it easy for them to to share it with a husband or share it with the wife or whoever else needs to make a decision yeah because it's it's a the conversation, conversation around happens it. around the yeah. dinner table you know anything any big purchase for your home you know in a family or you know couples like a sofa or a bed or or anything like wardrobe or you know it tends to be a conversation around the dinner mm. table and you want to prompt that conversation you need that conversation to happen yeah. And you do that by getting the email and putting it in front of them. So you go, oh my God, there's a there's a reason to talk yeah. about it. And that's how the the furniture world worked for years. Which makes tracking a bit harder, but that's yeah, there's always a reason. Way, yeah, it bloody you're does. Gonna yeah, it. you're gonna work it. Well, yeah. anyway, Ian, that was um, we'll finish there. That's, that's well, I think to, I would just yeah. summarise to say one thing about stats because we've done some. We, you know, this is basically the benchmarking report, but. I know we've done something new recently, which was our, our, you know, the bridge, which we talked about the, you know, the, the management structure that you need if you're running an e-commerce business. You know what what you would do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. You know what your team should be doing, and you know what the management structure is. And within that, I thought that was really good. It took us a long time to put it together, but within that, there were other things that we would look at that has a benchmark around like how you know what your percentage of data capture you should be doing yeah. you know so there's a lot in there um but you know i think this is a good start obviously you can you can look at you can have too many stats can't you, you can have too many numbers and you just don't know what to yeah, look at just just focus on a couple you know, too much yeah. Add to buzz. yeah but it's good no i think this is, this is a reasonable yeah. list awesome well thank you very much ian um we'll see everybody we'll you see too everybody next week Okay.